Not here. Where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in their midst. So we praise God for that promise. Uh, and by the way, he's a holy God. And he's worthy of our praise. He's worthy of our worship. And I pray that as you take these songs and you sing them, um, you'll think about the words. Just not singing the words. Just not singing the words. You know, when you, whenever I stand and sing the Star Spangled Banner, of course, everybody wants to stand away from me. <laughs> but I am just extremely proud and honored to be an American citizen. And I praise God for the opportunity to sing that song. How much more should we be ready to sing praises to his name? The creator of everything. I mean, he's the sustainer of life. You are sitting here this morning thinking about all the things you're going to do. Do you recognize that if God said no more breathing, you're done and you're in his presence? Let's get a hold of who God is this morning. Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4. Turn there if you will. We're continuing our walk. This is lesson 20. Lesson 20. My goodness. We've made it all the way to Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4. Let me take a drink of this water. Acts chapter 4. Verse 1, the Bible says, And as they spake unto the people, the priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them, being grieved that they taught the people and preached through Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they laid hands on them and put them in hold unto the next day, for it was now eventide. Howbeit, many of them which heard the word believe, praise God, and the number of the men was about 5,000. And it came to pass on the morrow that their rulers and elders and scribes and Annas the high priest and Caiaphas and John and Alexander and as many as were of the kindred of the high priest were gathered together at Jerusalem. And when they had set them in the midst, they asked, by what power or by what name have you done this? Oh my, did they open the door there. Then Peter filled with the Holy Ghost said unto them, you rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if we, if we this day be examined of the good deed uh, done to the impotent man, by what means is he made whole? Be it known unto you all and to the people of Israel by, uh, that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom ye crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him doth this man stand here before you whole. This is the stone which was set at naught of you builders, which has become the head of the corner. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Take a few minutes this morning and preach about the glory of his name. The glory of his name. As you sit here this morning, you should sit here in awe. Deep respect. Not for me, for him. For him. Let's pray. God, I ask that you do a work in our hearts and lives today. Father, we pray for all the churches across America today that have preached and are preaching your word. Pray, God, that you would be able to move mightily. We ask you, God, to keep Satan at bay this morning. Bind him, dear God. Let your Holy Spirit fill this room and just consume our thoughts, 
consume our hearts, and may we give you full reign. God, we ask that you'd have your will and way in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we're in the fourth chapter of Acts, and so far, so far, as we've been taking this slow walk, we walked with the Savior, and we watched as he ascended into heaven, and then we watched as the the 120 gathered, remember, and they were all in one accord and gathered in the upper room, and we had the filling of the Holy Spirit. And we watched, and we were in, in, in earshot, in earshot through God's word of that mighty message that Peter preached. And then we watched as we saw so many, uh, it was 3,000 that were added uh, that day. And then we learned of a certain lame man, a certain lame man who was lame from his birth, and they would lay him at the gate beautiful. And he'd watch as people would come by and he would beg for something to give him so that he could just simply eat and get, it, get into another day. And Peter came by and says, I don't have silver. I don't have gold. But let me tell you what I got for you. Took him by the hand and lifted him up. The Bible says that his ankles received strength. Praise God. A miracle. You know that every time that someone comes to know the Lord Jesus Christ as their personal Savior, that's a miracle. Our mouths should drop. We should be in awe and wonder that God has saved another. And then last week we saw the response of the multitude as Peter preached unto them. Remember this lame man, he just hung on to Peter and John, went with them into the temple, and came back out. And we made mention Wondering how you must have looked back over to where he had been laying all these many years and thought, good riddance to that. I don't need that anymore. It's not going to keep me down anymore. Praise God. Well, and as we're going through this, folks, you've got to make application. You've got to make application. It's not just good enough to know the word and the history of it. God is speaking to our hearts. He wants to do a work in our heart and life. He wants to talk to us. He wants to grow us. He wants to develop that relationship. You know, there's so much more to it than just being saved. How sad it would be if, if a mom would give birth to a child and she'd come home with that baby and you love on that baby and then as the baby grows, there's just no relationship. Who's that woman over there? Well, I think that's my mom. We never really talk. That would be strange and silly. Same thing with the Lord Jesus Christ. If you know him as your savior, you should have a relationship with him. How is your relationship with him? How is your relationship with him? Well, we're going into a portion of the scripture. We're going to talk about the master. And we're going to talk about the glory of his name. First thing we're going to talk about is the anger of his foe in verses 1 through 7. And we're going to talk about initially how it was focused. Their anger was focused. It says... In the first couple of verses, and as they spake unto the people, the priests and the captain of the temple, and the Sadducees came upon them, being grieved that they taught the people and preached through Jesus the resurrection of the dead. You, you got to get a picture of this. This is all going on. This is kind of one thing after another. And the Sadducees are watching all this stuff going on, and they're going, Oh, this is not good. They're, they're preaching the resurrection of the dead. Well, see, the Sadducees did not believe in the resurrection of the dead. They didn't believe in spirits. And the temple authorities have been watching all this, and they're becoming increasingly uh, apprehensive. And they had certainly caught portions of Peter's message, uh, and it was, they were becoming alarmed, becoming alarmed. 
And he said, if the time for this to stop has come, we've got to put a stop to this. See, these were, they were steeped in Judaism. And they're watching these people, this movement, something miraculously going on. We've got to put a stop to this. We've got to put a stop to this. And we notice how their anger was focused. They were focused. The lead was taken by the priest and the Sadducees. The priests were upset with Peter because of where he was preaching. He was in the temple. Hey, that's our place. He's in the temple. They didn't stop him. Sadducees were upset because of what he was preaching, that Jesus rose from the dead. They didn't believe that. The captain of the temple was an important Jewish official. He was a member of one of the families of the chief priest, and in regards to the temple, was outranked only by the high priest himself. And he commanded a guard of hand-picked Levites. The Sadducees were a sect, a Jewish sect within Judaism, a sect. Let me give you a definition. A group of people with somewhat different religious beliefs from those of a larger group to which they belong. That makes sense? Let me read it again. A group of people with somewhat different religious beliefs from those of a larger group to which they belong. That's a sect. That's a sect. That's who they were in New Testament times. These Sadducees, by the way, were very influential people. They were wealthy. Uh, they had a lot of influence. The high priest was usually chosen from their ranks. That's who they chose him from. And they got together with the Roman power at this time. And they dominated what's called the Sanhedrin. Uh, there's two classes of courts of, called Sanhedrin. It was the great, which is 71 judges, and then the lesser, which is 23 judges. In their theology, they denied the supernatural. They denied the existence of spirits. And they denied the possibility of the resurrection. Well, I'm here to tell you, my God is supernatural. And my God has the Holy Spirit, is the Holy Spirit. And he certainly did raise from the grave. Amen. The Sadducees were the party that now led the nation of Israel in its second rejection of Jesus Christ. They rejected him. The Christ recorded in the Gospels. Uh, the, the rejection of Christ was recorded in the Gospel uh, was instigated or stirred up by the Pharisees. But now it was the Sadducees. The Sadducees found themselves in a bad position. And they had to make an end to this. They had to stop this. They hated Christ. They hated his very name. And they hated him for the resurrection. And they were going to put a stop to it. Their anger was focused on Peter and John, but they were going to stop Christ. That was their goal. And they wanted to stop Peter and John because they were publicly preaching that Jesus Christ had risen from the dead. They got upset. They got upset. I, I don't think that's too much unlike human nature. Nobody likes to be told that what you believe is wrong. What do we do? We usually become defensive. And they were on the defensive for sure. But now they're trying to go on the offensive. They were... How many remember the show? Uh, the Andy Griffith show. I believe that was the original. All right. Oh, quit shaking your head no. And remember old Barney Five? He says, gonna have to nip it. Gonna have to nip it in the bud, right? 
That's what he used to say. Nip it in the bud. That was Barney saying. And that's what they were saying here. Barney also said, <laughs> Barney also said, it bothers me when people say I'm sensitive. But uh, they were going to nip it in the bud. They were going to put an end to this. Verse 3, it says, And they laid hands on them and put them in hold unto the next day, for it was now even tied. How be it, oh my, how be it, many of them which heard the word believed, and the number of the men was about 5,000. Luke wrote, he said, I just counted the men. It's about 5,000. It's not talking to women. It's not talking to children. There was revival going on. There was something happening. Let me tell you why it was happening this. You had men that were filled with the Holy Ghost. A Holy Spirit was working through them. They were not, the Holy Spirit was not hindered by our sin, was not hindered by our ways and the things that we think we should do. They just opened up and said, Holy Spirit, have your way. And God blessed. God blessed. It was about three o'clock in the afternoon when this all began. Many hours had elapsed and 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 now it was just even tied. You had 3,000 had been saved at Pentecost. And now they said there were more. And then Luke was counting up to 5,000. Uh, it's interesting. Even though they arrested them, it could not stop the work of the Holy Spirit. Could not stop the work of the Holy Spirit. Because it was getting late, the authorities locked up the two apostles. For the night. But can you imagine the buzz going around? Just put yourself in that place. Did you hear what happened? First the lame man and all these people are following Christ. It's, something's going on. I don't know what it is, but something's happening. Something is happening. Praising God throughout the city. What a stir there must have been. Well, they were angry, they was focused. We found out that their anger was futile, but it was formidable. Look at uh, verses 5 and 6. It says, And it came to pass on the morrow that the rulers, their rulers, and elders, and scribes, and Annas the high priest, and Caiaphas, and John, and Alexander, and as many as were of the kindred of the high priest, were gathered together at Jerusalem, this family. The rulers, these rulers within Judaism. Yeah, they all got together, all these high rulers, and they're going after these two fishermen. Didn't that sound kind of strange to you? I mean, all these people in authority, all these people with the power, these rulers, and they're going after these two fishermen. You know, when I read that, I think, this salesman, you fill in the blank, this guard, you fill in the blank, this... Uh, worker in a uh, warehouse, uh, this uh, man that drives a garbage truck, this man that works in a medical, ladies, does it not give you hope that God can work through you? Praise God, he can. They gathered against them. They gathered against them. And they were going to take care of this. Annas was the previous high priest. He had held office for nine years. The fact that he was no longer a high priest made no, little, made no difference. He was held in high esteem. He still had power. Like many of our politicians, it seems. From AD 15 till AD 66, five of his sons, a grandson and son-in-law, 
occupied that office. 51 years, corruption. 51 years. Boy, makes me think of things that are going on today. Caiaphas was the son-in-law of Annas. He'd been installed in AD 18. And he'd held sway there through the period of Pilate's term when he was a prosecutor. Just a couple of months before, remember it was Caiaphas and Pilate that played a leading role in getting rid of Jesus. Now, they said, we've gotten rid of Jesus and we're gonna to try to convince him that he didn't raise from the dead. Let's get rid of his church. This, let's get rid of his church. You know, there's been a battle against the church from the time God created. It's from the time that God instituted. We don't know much about John and Alexander other than they were members of this family. Then they ask a question. All these very intelligent men, they ask a question. But you know what? Sometimes you get so angry and you get so upset, you might say some things that you go, I wish I could get that back. And I wonder if this is what happened here. It says that when they had set them in the midst, they're all around them, Peter and John, <clears throat> by what power or by what name have you done this? Peter must have thought, oh, thank you, Lord. <laughs> oh, God, you're so good. There it was. It was out and open. Out and open. Peter could have not have asked a better, had them ask a better question. Unwittingly, unwittingly they had handed him his text on a silver platter. Here you go. Here you go. And God used the wrath of these ungodly men to praise his name. Oh my. Oh my. You know, if we don't praise him, the rocks will cry out. He talks about God's going to be praised. Best we be in the middle of that. Amen? Best we be in the middle of that. So he answered him. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Ghost, said unto them, Ye rulers of the people and elders of Israel, If we be examined of the good deed done to the impotent man, by what means he is made whole, be it known unto you all, and to all the people of Israel, that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom ye crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him doth this man stand here before you whole. You see the boldness of Peter as he tells them. He just lays it out there. Something about this Holy Spirit makes you bold. Makes you bold. I remember a good friend of mine stands about this tall. He's been a pastor for several years up in the Stockton area. And would watch as we go into the parks in L.A. And Brother Tim would look around and he'd find the, you know, and it's, it was known for gangs. And so you'd go in there and he'd find the biggest group of guys. He'd get right in the middle of them. And he'd start talking to them about the Lord and witnessing to them about the Lord. Being filled with the Holy Spirit makes you bold. Peter's basically saying, what have we done wrong? Is it wrong to do something good? Is it not a good deed to make a lame man whole? Are we being arrested and put on trial for doing something good? Who made him whole? Jesus did. Jesus did. Jesus Christ. Jesus the Messiah. Jesus of Nazareth. 
You want to know where the power came from to make that lame man leap? It came from Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And that's the name we use. Oh, by the way, this is the same Jesus that you crucified. That you crucified. That would have offended the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees again. We offended the Pharisees and the high priests. And when he said, raised from the dead, that would have offend, offended the Sadducees. Peter named them all. He didn't leave them out. He made sure that they understood, you're the ones that killed the Christ. And the fault lies at your feet. You know, when presenting the gospel, it's the Holy, work, the Holy Spirit that does the work. It draws the sinner to salvation. We understand that. But make it plain, folks. Lay it out there crystal clear. Their sin will keep them from heaven. God provide his son a sacrifice that their sin might be paid for. As the old saying goes, at this point in time, Peter had put the cat in with the pigeons. You know, have you ever seen a cat with chasing a bird and stuff? Imagine now a cage full of pigeons and you got a cat in there. Well, don't think about it too long. Not a pretty sight. Not a pretty sight. Don't miss this point. I've said it before and I want to make it plain again. Because we need to get an idea, we need to get a hold, we need to get a grasp on that, that same Holy Spirit that has filled Peter and John and the apostles and the rest of the 120 fills us. The question is, how much are you allowing him to use and work through you? This is the same Peter who a couple of months before, who trembled before a small girl. I saw him with them. Oh, no, and he, what, had some oaths and he cursed. He was afraid of going to prison. But now this new Peter was full of the boldness as a result of the resurrection and the filling of the Holy Spirit. I've been to the tomb. It's empty. And now I'm filled with this Holy Spirit. Peter was on a roll. <laughs> he was on a roll. I'll tell you what, I... You've been in some congregations before where the preacher's preaching and it just seems to be going. And my goodness, you're just saying, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. That's good, that's good, that's good. Peter was filled with his spirit. And he did not wait for the court reply. He went on with his sermon, intending to drive home his point. He had the knife in their consciousness and he was going to give them three more sharp twists. He talked about their guilt. He said, this is the stone which is set at naught of you, builders. They knew it. They knew it. Here he goes again. He's using their own scripture. It's from Psalm 118, verse 22, as a messianic prophecy. Isaiah had spoken to Christ as a stone of stumbling in chapter 8, verse 14. And Daniel in chapter 2, verse 35, talked, visualized Christ as a stone descended from heaven. He's using their scripture. And it's cutting deep now. How they must have squirmed. See, they, they opened the door. They asked him the question. I'm going to give you an answer. You're not going to shut me up. I'm going to give you an answer. 
You ask a question, here's the answer. When Peter said, this is the stone which was set at naught of you builders, he placed the blame squarely, squarely at their feet. If you're here this morning without Jesus Christ as your savior, the fault lies squarely at your feet, at your feet. He talked about Christ's glory. He said, which is become the head of the corner, the head of the corner. Although they refused to admit it, the resurrection of Christ was a proven fact. It was common knowledge in Jerusalem. No, I'm telling you. I'm telling you. I saw him. I, I saw him die, and I saw him. It's a proven fact. It's a proven fact. And as for his ascension, many people had witnessed it, had witnessed it well. And no doubt the Sanhedrin had heard about it. But at any rate, Peter was making sure they heard about it now. Here it is. Here it is. This is Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom they crucified. This stone which they, the builders, had rejected, had become the headstone of the corner. He had ascended to the right hand of the majesty on high. And he talked about God's grace. In verse 12 it says, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. He said, What you've been believing and going in and your religion, here it is. Here it is. No other name under heaven, given among men, whereby we must be saved. Not the name of Confucius, not the name of Buddha or Allah, not the name of Abraham, he was saying, not the name of Moses, only the name in the name of Jesus is salvation to be found. I'm going to ask every head to be bowed and every eye to be closed, every head bowed and every eye to be closed, talked about what was going on after the lame man was healed and the salvation of so many people and so many being added we listened as Peter preached to them again and he was saying it's your fault it's your fault it was the name of Jesus by which the lame man had been healed it was the name that they hated but it was the only name by which they could be saved. They could be saved. Just like you this morning. If you're here this morning without Jesus Christ, today can be the day of your salvation. But it's only in the name of Jesus. No other name given among men whereby we must be saved. Oh, praise God. The glory of his name. Whatever your need is this morning, I would ask that you would take time to meet with God. Father, we ask for your will and your way this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Stand with me, please, with heads bowed and eyes closed. No one looking around.